ranked choice voting works. It costs less than holding runoff elections. And studies show it's popular with voters and reduces negative attacks. That's why cities and states are looking to ranked choice voting to improve their elections. Would ranked choice voting help in your community? Find out more at fairvote.org. Waymo TV is filmed for a live studio audience being held against their will. I don't know about you, but I am super into VR technology. It's kind of the only way that I get my work out. Uh, today on the episode, we have Suzanne Borders, VR enthusiast, explorer, and developer. We also have a musical performance from the Fizzy Glizzies. The Fizzy Glizzies, that's a ska band from Orem, Utah. Let's check in with BJ Mendelson, see how he is keeping on. Let's get on in it. Hello, everyone. I'm BJ Mendelson, and you are watching and listening to another edition of Waymo.tv. Today, I am joined by BadVR CEO Suzanne Borders. Suzanne, how are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, let's let's dive right into it. Could you tell us what you're working on? Yeah. So recently, um, with my company, BadVR, I guess I'll give a little background on yeah, that. Um, yeah. So it stands for bring all your data to VR. We often get that question. Um, also stands for, you know, just all around being a badass. But basically <laughs> <laughs> what we do is we use AR and VR technology to visualize a really complex, um, large scale data sets. So the most recent thing I've been working on is one of our products called C-Signal, as in you can see your uh, you know, RF signal data. So you essentially put on an AR headset and you're able to, for the very first time, see your wireless networks, uh, Bluetooth networks, um, internet networks, Wi-Fi networks, um, and then cellular networks like 5G networks. So you're actually able to see all of that in your environment, overlaid on your environment using augmented reality technology with interactive holograms. And it also is updating in real time as you're walking around a space. So instead of having to sort of gather individual data points and then sort of bring them together and make a three-dimensional model and look at it on a flat screen and go through that entire process with our headset, you, all of it just becomes instantaneous. So I've been working on that. We're going to be releasing that um, in the Oculus store at the end of this month. So that's coming up really quickly. Uh, we'll be you know, releasing all more information about that publicly. But yeah, that's what I've really been primarily focused on for the past you know, couple weeks or so. That's awesome. Tell me, what, what was the genesis of that? Like, what was the... Because I'm just fascinated by like what bad VR does in general, right? Like this whole the integration between data and VR and data and AR is, you know, I'm a VR nerd. So like that stuff <laughs> is very exciting to me. But just uh, what, can you walk us through a little bit of what led you to create bad VR? Like what, what the impetus was and then why ceasing? Like what, you know, what is it that, that drove you to make that product? Yeah. So for bad VR specifically, so I, prior to founding the company for the six years previous to founding the business, I worked as a UX and product designer um, for various different companies building data analytics tools. But the difference um, with that in most tools is that the um, end users were non-technical. So I was building data analytics tools or designing data analytics tools for non-technical end users, mostly real estate agents, who, if you know any real estate agents, tend to be very non-technical. They're people like my mom, you know? So it was really cool because most of the time, you know, when you think about working on a data analytics tool, you're you're assuming that the end user is going to be like a data scientist or a data analyst. But I loved that concept of taking this like really precious resource, which is more valuable than gold or oil, and making it accessible to like the rest of the world. 
And the other thing that I'd noticed um, in working in other startups that were not specifically focused on data analytics, but just the workflow internally at the company, everybody needs to pull data, but you have to wait because, you know, maybe the marketing department wants the data, maybe the product department wants the data, but there's usually a small team of data scientists and you're always sort of backed up. You have to wait for the scientists to pull the data, analyze the data, and then communicate to you as the team lead, what the insights are, and then you have to share that with your team and then operationalize that. So between, you know, just loving the concept of making data accessible to everyone, I also realized that, you know, internally at a lot of different companies, when you're talking about non-technical end users, you're talking about also non-technical people inside a corporation that also want to be able to access that data in an expedient fashion and then also communicate that data in an expedient fashion. So it was sort of the the two the crossroads of those two things, taking what I had been doing and then taking, you know, what I had experienced inside of corporations and saying, look, I think that there could be one tool that would solve all of these problems. And I think the way to really do this is to utilize AR and VR technology to make these data sets like intuitively visible. Because a lot of the times the misunderstanding about data is, you know, you have to sort of put it through all these different hard to understand visualizations for people who are not trained on them, stuff like scatter plots and charts and graphs and dashboards. And even then, I noticed that the way that information was presented is you, it would be like a 45 <laughs> slide PowerPoint presentation where you're saying, okay, this from this angle, it looks like this on one slide. From this angle, it looks like this on this slide. So you're asking the audience to really ingest and then synthesize and build a mental model of that information that's presented on 45 individual slides and then to communicate that to everyone else which again it's like it's like akin to i guess the greatest analogy would be like you know if you went to an art museum and you were looking at a piece of art in a 1 by 1 inch square individually and everybody looked at each individual square and at the end if you asked each individual person what the entire painting looked like everyone had a different slightly different understanding of what that painting would be because no one was able to look at the the whole thing simultaneously. So that's what we're trying to do with AR and VR technologies, just allow everyone to look at the same thing all at once in one big picture so that there's not this sort of like miscommunication or slight, it's like sort of telephone that people have where it's, I understood it to be this thing, or I understood it. And it could, both of those things could be true, but you really have to see the whole picture to really understand that. So that was the genesis of bad VR. And for C-Signal specifically, um, I used to live in a loft in downtown Los Angeles. And the loft was like on the 17th floor. And all of my walls were concrete. And I had the worst cell phone signal. Like it was so bad, I had to get a home line put in. This is like, what, 2010 or whatever. So it's ridiculous. But I, I could never figure out, because some areas of my apartment had seemed to have great signal, and some areas didn't, but that sort of also seemed to shift sometimes. Like sometimes this area would have great signal, but sometimes it would be this area. And I was like, I just want to know where I have to stand in my apartment to like be able to receive and place phone calls consistently. So what, after I had founded Bad VR, one of the hackathons that we went to initially was a Magic Leap and AT&T hackathon. So I thought, well, that would be cool because I have an AT&T phone. Like, it seems obvious to me that like people would want to look at cellular data multidimensionally. I would like to do that for my, my own uses, but I'm sure other people would too. And it fits sort of the theme of the hackathon. So we were able to use my phone to gather a bunch of samples um, and sort of like simulate this multidimensional data set, put it using 
magic leaps, augmented reality, visualize my data set, visualize the history of like where I took calls, where calls got dropped, where calls were placed. And that was sort of the genesis for the idea of C-Signal. And that's where it sort of came from. We didn't win the hackathon. Uh, we didn't even place in the hackathon, but the product itself ended up getting funded by Magic Leap's independent programs grant. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. No, that that's a pretty sweet consolation prize. For, for <laughs> yeah, <that one>. Absolutely. <laughs> no complaints. <laughs> no <Right>. complaints. <laughs> hey, it's me, God. I know it's been a while and I haven't been the best dad, especially this century. Well, I was going through some shit, and you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. All you need to know is that I'm doing commercials now. I've got bills to pay, too. Do you have any idea how much I just lost on crypto? A lot. A lot. And so now God needs your money. Like, for real this time. Not like all those other times every Sunday. You know who else needs your money? B.J. Mendelson. So give him $5 by visiting buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. That website again is buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. Buymeacoffee.com slash B.J. Mendelson. And if you don't give B.J. your money, you and I are going to have problems. Big ones. Hi, I'm Mike Reese. I've been writing for The Simpsons for 30 years. But in my spare time, I travel. I've been to Iran, Iraq, the North Pole, the South Pole, Chernobyl. These are my vacations, folks. I've even been to North Korea. That's the scary Korea. It's all in my new travel podcast on the Believe Network called What Am I Doing Here? It's fast, it's funny, and it's factual enough. You'll hear how I was robbed in Rio, kidnapped in Honduras, dangled from a cliff in Pakistan, and chased by a lady with a meat cleaver again in Honduras. I had a lot of problems in Honduras. Each week I visit all the world's hot spots and hell holes so you don't have to. You're welcome. Download and subscribe to What Am I Doing Here? wherever you get your podcasts. Um, actually, my mom doesn't work in real estate. That was just an example. <laughs> but, but I definitely have had my parents use the platform. Broadly speaking, my mom actually does wildlife rehabilitation. But a lot of her friends are like that generation that are real estate agents. Um, but I love to like put my products through what I call like the dad test where if I can have my dad use the product and understand intuitively how to, you know, both set it up, enter into the experience, interact with the experience, then I can be pretty sure that most of my end users will be able to figure it out. So I definitely yeah, utilize them in my user testing. Absolutely. That's great. And it's, it's something that I've always, that's I've been preaching for about, oh geez, over a decade now is just making something very simple, very easy to use, very easy to share so that an older, the older generation can get it. So that's, so tell me, going into the corporate world with, with this product, you run into a lot of people who are on like the older side. So what is, what is that like? What is that response typically like when you introduce bad VR? Yeah, it's interesting. A lot of the times, I mean, I had anticipated that there would be a lot more pushback to like putting on 
sort of like goofy looking sometimes headsets. And surprisingly, a lot of people are wanting to embrace the technology and they, you know, have seen their children use it a lot of the times like, oh yeah, my kid has, you know, a VR headset or I've seen them use it before and it looks like fun. The biggest challenge, I guess, that I would say that we run into is that, you know, in the popular sort of subconscious mind, AR and VR technology is still sort of seen as like a gaming thing, um, something that's like more for kids and, you know, not really a serious application. So I guess that would be the like biggest perfect. People are willing to put on headsets and all of that stuff, but to like really see it as a solution to a critical problem can sometimes be challenging. That being said, once they sort of get into the experience and see what it is that we're offering, a lot of that is overcome. Um, but I would say the first sort of like gut instinct from people is like, oh, it's just sort of like a game. It's like cool, but it doesn't really have any, you know, real world use. Um, and for those people that are a little bit hesitant about putting on a headset, we do use mobile phones and tablets as sort of like a view into the experience as well. So we'll just let them sort of, you know, try that and say, oh, well, you know, you can open up your camera, look into things, you know, there's some limited interactivity because, you know, it's a phone and a tablet, it's not the full experience. But a lot of the times, once they sort of get that little view into it, they then want to go a little further and put on a headset and see the whole experience. So that's sort of a good entry point to it. Yeah. That's awesome. Let me ask you, because you, you were juggling so much in all these different projects and, and employees. So is there a tool that you found that has been really helpful just in terms of your productivity? Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's really interesting. I, I'm one of those people that like, I don't use a ton of productivity tools, to be honest with you, but I will say <laughs> this is my secret. There's two things. One on Slack, I have my own private channel with myself. So I use that as a to-do list. So I will send myself things that I need to do. And when they are done, I just go and delete them. And it's very satisfactory for me to do that. Um, and that sort of helps me keep track of everything. Um, and then in addition to that, I love to use my calendar. So I will block off times to do specific things. And if there's something that I need to remind myself to do, I will put that in as a calendar invite with alerts and notifications so that I get dinged multiple times to remember to do stuff. Um, but it's really about for me, like time blocking, like I'm going to spend this amount of time really deep in productivity. I'm going to turn off all my notifications. I'm not going to be available during this time. And then during this time I will be available. And then also doing like office hours, you know, so like having a dedicated set time where if there are people at the company that need to engage with me or chat with me, I'm just broadly available. But I found that that's like really critical for me personally, from a productivity level to be able to have those blocks of time where I can be unavailable, where I'm not having to like deal with notifications or dings or messages because otherwise my, I cannot focus, you know, so I have to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of uh, putting ideas together and coming up with new ones. So would you say that, do you block out time specifically for like idea generation? Yeah, I, I will sort of, in a way I do. So the, the best ideation time that I have usually is either when I'm working out or when I'm driving. So those two sort of like natural meditative states where you're just sort of doing something and you cannot really be distracted in any way. I do Pilates classes. So once I'm in the class, the instructor's going, you know, my phone's not even near me. I'm just on the Pilates machine and there's music. It's just like this natural flow state because my body is moving and I can sort of silence my mind and really just let 
the creative ideas come to me. And I've found that for me personally, and maybe this is different for others, like the best creative ideas sort of generate from those meditative flow states. If I try hard to come up with an idea, if I'm like trying to work in like brainstorm or talk verbally with someone else or have someone in the room with me, it doesn't really happen. That is helpful to get like 50% of the way there. But the other 50% where I'm wait, like getting that really good reply, that like deep, creative, innovative thought that happens sort of in those moments of solitude when I'm doing naturally meditative things. So, yeah. This is Rosie Tran from Rosie and BJ Save the World, a podcast asking big questions and discussing how to solve these big issues. This is a podcast for people just like you who ask, has the war on drugs been successful? Do we need universal basic income? Should we legalize sex work? Go to rosieandbjsavetheworld.com to get more confused. Commercials suck, and hopefully one day we won't need them. But until that day comes, we have bills to pay, brother. What the fuck is this copy? I I don't know, man. BJ wrote it, and I think he was high when he did it. How do you know he was high? I just, I read through it, and I just have a, I don't know, man, just read it. (laughs) What kind of bills do we have to pay? Well, for starters, you wouldn't believe how much it costs to feed a super intelligent ape who wants to kill Superman? Yes. At first he said he would pay BJ rent, but then some asshole told the ape about squatters', squatters rights? Yep. And he's a supervillain, you know, so he stopped paying rent, and now we all kind of work for him? He's a terrible boss. One time he was eating some guy's face and just left the rest of him in the middle of the floor. I guess it's better than working at Amazon, though. Anyway, the apes got this cool-ass setup in the basement of BJ's mom's house. You should see it. There's this kick-ass pool down there. I have no idea how you get a huge pool in the basement of a small house, but he found a way. Separate lines, he found a way. Now, if only the ape could remember to take out the garbage in his office before he leaves for the weekend. Everyone else does it. And that includes Stephen Wheat, who works in accounting and shits out of his mouth. <laughs> anyway, that's what's going on here in Harriman, New York, home, home of the... Yeah, man, I'm pretty sure he was high, but let's just get back to it. <laughs> now, let's get back to the show. Now, let me ask you, what what is the best piece of advice that you ever got? Oh, that's that's a hard one. Um, So, I mean, I guess the best piece of advice that I ever received from like a a business or like a career. So I used to work for a startup called Crexy. The CEO of that company is a guy named Mike. I remember when I got hired, it was maybe a month or two after I got hired. He took me out to lunch because he's really great. He would go out to lunch with each person at his company. Um, he'd try to do like once a month or maybe a little less because it was a pretty big company at that point. Um, but he was just sort of talking to me at lunch and he was like, you know, I've heard from the team that, you know, you're a natural leader, that you've told people that you've had leadership experience, that you managed engineering teams before. He was like, can I ask you why you didn't put that on your resume? Cause I didn't. And I had done it. Um, and I had actually grown and managed up to a 35 person engineering team before at a previous startup but that wasn't my title, right? I was only ever a, you know, director of UX. So I told him that I was like, well, you know, technically it wasn't in my title and yeah, I did it, you know, cause it's a startup and, you know, 
people have to step up and do things sometimes that are outside of their role. And for me personally, that's what I love about startups. And I like being a leader. So naturally, if there's a leadership vacuum, I'm just going to step into it. Um, but he was just like, yeah, well, why wouldn't you put that on your resume, number one? And number two, why wouldn't you tell us that during your job interview? We would have loved to have known that so we could have you know, maybe given you more of a leadership position from the jump, which they did end up giving it to me. But, you know, and so anyways, the long story short, his advice to me was, you know, speak up more for yourself. And if you don't tell people that you have these talents or this experience, then you're never going to be, you know, no one's going to advocate more for you than you. You have to stand up for yourself. You have to say these things. And it shouldn't be something that I have to pull out of you. You should be up there, you know, advocating for yourself and talking yourself up and really leaning in hard to the things that you've done and the experience that you have. And don't, you know, sort of be constrained by these ideas of like, oh, well, it's not in my job title or I didn't get permission to do it. He was like, no, just go out and do it and tell people because that's what you did. And that's the truth. And that's reality. And that was great advice because, you know, up until then I had always suffered under this delusion that like, if I didn't have permission, then I couldn't do it. And really it did inspire me in many ways to start bad VR because, and I'm sure a lot of founders understand this. I didn't feel like I had the, you know, the right background or, you know, the right credentials to do it. And he really helped me understand. It's not about that. You have the right credentials when you go and do it. The credential is simply, can you do it? And have you done it? Or are you doing it? And that was amazing career advice for sure. And I thank him for that. Absolutely. What would you, if you had to go back um, to like day one, starting bad VR, what would you tell yourself on that first day? Oh boy. Um, I would tell myself to like, you know, believe in, believe in my voice much more than I did originally. At the beginning, I just felt like so out of my depth because it was something, I mean, I had founded businesses before, but not tech companies. You know, like I had a mobile car wash. I had like this, you know, music production company when I was in college and stuff, but like it being a tech founder, I felt really insecure in that because I had never done it before. And I was still, even though I was trying to take Mike's advice and be like, well, you, you know, you're qualified when you do it. I still had this like lingering notion that I was not qualified and that I had this imposter syndrome. So I really sort of held back at first from stepping into that. And if I could give myself advice, I would just say like, don't hold back and, and get into the role faster. And the world does want to hear what you have to say, number one. And number two, the opinions that you have, you know, maybe seem obvious to you because you've been having these opinions your whole life. But for other people, those can, those opinions and thoughts can be really transformative. And they won't be transformative unless you share them. And to share them, you have to believe that people want to hear them. So it's sort of the cycle. I would just say, like, believe more in yourself, as corny as that may be. Uh, I had a hard time with that. So Yeah, no, not corny at all. I think it's great advice. Uh, who would you like to give a shout out to that you think is doing really great work? Yeah. So I have a friend, his name is Ryan David. He's a filmmaker and he's actually about to come out with a movie called Futura Days. And it's about, it's sort of like eternal sunshine of the spotless mind, uh, but with VR, instead of taking a pill, you're like, you're using VR technology to really go deep inside your own psyche. Um, he's been a really big supporter of me personally, um, a great mentor um, and a believer in bad VR, like before anybody else believed in us. Uh, he's an investor in the company. He's a deep, close personal friend of mine. I would love to give him a shout out. I'd love to give his movie a shout out um, and just thank him for, for the support that he's always given me and in his belief in me as an entrepreneur before any other investor or angel ever believed in me. Uh, where can we find you on the web and where can we find more about bad VR and C-Signal? 
Yeah. Um, so badvr.com, we actually were able to get that URL, which was kind of a good URL. Uh, so you can find my work there with badvr. And we had stuff on the website about C-Signal as well. Um, and then for me personally, I'm on Medium. Uh, you can go to the badvr Medium and see a couple of posts that I've written. Um, I've gone through a lot of like my experiences building specifically C-Signal, um, my experiences, um, you know, designing immersive interfaces, which has been a completely new challenge than designing two interfaces which is what i was doing before i founded the company um and then of course you can find me on twitter my handles at suzanne borders uh sometimes i come in with those hot takes so you know <laughs> oh and uh, and you're also a fellow dodgers fan so I, yes I absolutely <laughs> freddie freeman yes i still can't yes. believe he's here um i know i know i will so i will excited. take it though uh, is, there, <laughs> is there anything else that you wanted to mention real quick or bring up that people should know or um, I would just say, I mean, being, it's always a challenge. I, sometimes I get those questions like, what is, what is it like being a female founder? And I have like a love hate relationship with that because number one, it's sort of like, I get tired of being asked that question. It's like, Oh, it's like being a male founder, except I'm a female. <laughs> but I also acknowledge on the other side of things, there are unique challenges that women face as founders. Um, and I really do want to just give a shout out and, you know, big support to all of the, you know, women in my network that have come together to really believe in me, support, support me to make intros for me um and to also just say if there are any female founders out there that would like to connect with me personally i would love to support you um i'm suzanne at badvr.com reach out anytime or hit me up on linkedin i'm also there or twitter you know digital avenues of connection i would love to support you and offer some mentorship and advice if i can that's wonderful thank you so much that was all the questions i've got wonderful thank you so much bj i appreciate it well that's our show and uh, our, our apologies to the band. You know, we kind of just ran out of time. That's kind of the uh, that's the nature of things. That's the, the name of the game. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! Vaped Crusaders comes out on the twentieth of every month. The twentieth. You can't smoke that in here. Oh, wait. What day is it now? Do I look like a fucking calendar to you? Hey, man. I don't need all the attitude and stuff you know i don't i don't need it well i don't need your face your vape or your are those air jordan 3 ogs yeah yes those are 4500 sneakers i know they're pretty sweet yeah they are no wait i don't like you don't make me like you i'm not man i'm just out here i'm just trying to relax dude i'm on to you pal you're trying to do some Jedi mindfuck bullshit, and... <laughs> I don't I don't think that's what it's called. I don't think that's the thing. You want to play mind games with me, motherfucker? All right, let's dance.
Alright, sorry. Um, make sure to tune in to Vape Crusaders. New episodes are going to drop every month on the 20th, right here on Weibo.tv. Okay, your, your, your middle name is Macho. But uh, I'm wondering if you ever cry. You ever Has a Macho Man ever cried? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. It's okay for Macho Men to show every emotion available right there, you know, because I've cried a thousand times, I'm going to cry some more. But... I've soared with the eagles, and I've slithered with the snakes, and I've been everywhere in between. And I'm going to tell you something right now. There's one guarantee in life, and that there are no guarantees, yeah. And I understand this. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes a quitter. Nobody said life was easy, so if you get knocked down, take the standing eight count, get back up, and fight again. Did you enjoy today's show? If you did, please take a minute and leave us a review. Yes, we know you're busy and every podcast asks you to do this, but there's a good reason they do. Because every time you leave a review, that review helps more people find and listen to the show. And you know what that means for you? More great episodes of Weiwo.tv. So what are you waiting for? Take out your phone and leave us a review right now before you move on to something else and forget about us. And we'll see you next time, right?